Welcome to Studying the Song, a podcast to help musical theater actors figure out what to sing and how to sing it so that you shine in your audition, one-woman show, or leading role. My friends, talent and passion are only the beginning. I believe there is freedom in preparation. I believe that when you put in the work, practice the skills, and do the research, something amazing happens. You become so prepared in your craft that you become unstoppable. In this podcast, I want to give you the tools and skills to create a powerful audition book that showcases your artistry and actually gets you work. I want you to feel totally at home reading the musical score of a show, and I want to help you define your unique artistic voice. Consider me your own personal vocal coach in your earbuds, cheering you on and bringing you the reality checks you need along the way. I'm Corey Yamaoka, and I'm so excited to be walking this journey with you. Let's dive in. Hey, welcome to today's episode. We are going to be talking about vocal style, more specifically three simple ways to create any vocal style. I want to talk about this today because I get a lot of questions from musical theater singers about how to change their voice. How, what do they do to sing pop and rock genres? So see if this sounds like this might be you. You're training in musical theater, you've been doing it for a while, and your voice teacher uses like bel canto classical technique as the basis for your um, singing, and then you also add musical theater technique onto it, like some healthy call sounds for belting, maybe a little wider vowel placement, you're thinking mask, all of those things. You listen to contemporary Broadway theater a ton. Those cast recordings are just like second nature to you. You can sing along to every word. And because you have listened to them so much, those sounds are way easy for you to um, to put onto your voice, Those that brighter sound with the wider vowels and all of that. Um, you kill the musical theater sound. You don't even have to try. But you know that pop music, rock music is everywhere on Broadway and you love those shows too. And you're trying to incorporate more of those kinds of songs in your book. But when you're singing them, you just don't sound right in the genre. It, just, it sounds too theatery, right? Is that scenario resonating with you? Does that sound like who you are? You may be on the other side of the spectrum though. Your voice is more naturally contemporary pop sounding You can mix and belt super high, but you can also flip into that breathy head voice. You've got the riffs for days. You've got the low husky voice on the the verses, and then you can belt for Jesus on the choruses. You've got the whine and the scoops and the cries and all those little pop techniques in there. And you're like probably not even trying to do it. It's just in your ear because that's the music that you listen to all the time. And for you, you know that you love theater as well. You know that you want to be working regularly. And if that's the case, you've got to be able to sing in other genres. You've got to be able to do older, more traditional theater, um, golden age shows like Carousel and Oklahoma and Gypsy and all those kinds of things. But when you try to sing in that style, you just don't sound right. You sound too contemporary and your teacher keeps putting you know, giving you those older style songs to try to like, you know, get the pop style out of your voice and really help you learn, but you just don't know how to make that shift. No matter what end of the spectrum, if you are musical theater oriented or more pop oriented, it can be super frustrating trying to get your voice to morph into the other style. 
you have so many habitual ways of singing that um, sneak in without you even noticing. And what I want to do today is get you a little bit more cognizant of what are those things that you might be doing by default, and then how can you make choices to um, change them and get your voice into those other styles and sound authentic. What you might have been hearing from your voice teacher or from coaches or whoever you go to for instruction, um, to sound more rock, this is what people often say, they tell you to have sloppier diction and that rock music is lazier with their words. That's not true. They tell you that rock singing is more aggressive and raw and that can be true, but that doesn't really tell you what to do with your mouth and your lips and your tongue and all of that. Um, they emphasize like, just feel the rhythm of the song and that's going to get you into that rock style or sing with more angst, but not all pop and rock music has angst in it. Some of it is just a party. And so saying it needs to be more angsty is not going to help you just suddenly produce the right style. If you're trying to take out the natural pop tendencies that you have, teachers will often tell you things like, just think taller vowels or you know, you're changing the melody by adding too many riffs, but you're thinking, I didn't add any riffs to this. I don't even know what you're talking about. They might be saying, just sing into your mask or imagine that you're wearing the clothing of that other time period. Like imagine you're wearing a corset and heels. And again, like these are all valid points and they're like ways in to finding the style, but they don't actually, again, tell you what to do with your mouth and your tone so that you sound different. And they don't give you those those idioms for the style, like there are actual things that you can do to sound more R&B or more jazz or more funk or more gospel or more rock or more punk, etc. So let's get into it. The three keys to singing in any genre and sounding authentic. I believe that vocal style can be broken down into just three elements and they are the same elements that you learn when you're talking about good storytelling a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's all about how you begin your note, what happens in the middle as you're holding it, and then how do you end it. And that can be on a micro scale with just the single note, or it can refer to you know a larger scale where your whole phrase, your lyric or musical phrase, beginning, middle, and end. Now in singing particularly, we call the beginning the onset of the note, the middle is the sustain or the duration of the note, and the end is called the release. Onset, sustain, and release. And again, that can be a single note or it could be an entire phrase, and you want to be conscious of making decisions for both of those. Now, what's important to know is that each genre of singing has different ways of starting a note, sustaining a note, and releasing a note. And once you learn the different options for each of those, you can use them appropriately, your song is gonna start sounding right. So let's start by talking about onset. The onset, or sometimes you may have heard the word attack, is the way that you start singing your note or musical phrase. And you wanna think about what happens right at the beginning when your vocal cords start to vibrate. Okay, what's the first little thing that happens in your throat as the air passes through and a sound starts to emerge? Mostly when we study singing, um, you're talking about three basic onsets. There's a lot of other choices. I'll get to those in a second. But you've got an aspirate onset, and that's when you have a breathy, like a sound on the beginning of your word, 
Like when you turn I into hi or you into hue, and that happens a lot in singing, and it can be effective and a good choice. Um, You also can have a glottal onset, and that's when you allow pressure to build up beneath your vocal cords. And then when you release and you speak or sing, there's a little pop that happens in your throat. Um, And it happens when you start with a vowel on a word. So instead of hi, you hear I, and there's a little uh that happens. Now, ideally, what you're taught is that you want a coordinated onset. And that's when I don't hear a breath starting. I don't hear the H sound but I don't hear the uh sound either. And it's just a perfectly coordinated I, you, right? Instead of hi, hue, I, you. You is sort of a weird one to have a glottal on, but I tried it for you guys. Now, beyond those, there are other onsets that you can choose as a style. And we don't necessarily get taught those inside our musical theater singing lessons. So here are a few. You're going to know these, and I'm going to tell you a few singers to um, watch out for and listen to as well. A growl. A growl is that guttural sound in your throat, and you hear it in like gospel and blues and soul and country. Um, Christina Aguilera, the song Fighter, all over the place, but she likes to use growls all over the place anyway. Um, In musical theater, classic example, um, Jennifer Holliday singing And I Am Telling You from Dreamgirls. She's got these amazing growls that just like they help the storytelling of the, you know, the pain that she's going through and the message that she's so desperate to get across. Another one um, after growl, you could do vocal fry and vocal fry It's that scratchy, it's that scratchy vocal effect when you talk like this and it sounds like you're from the valley, which I am from the valley, so you might hear that in my voice, Um, but we hear it a lot in pop singing. Um, Britney Spears is like the vocal fry queen, but everybody uses it. Demi Lovato, Tori Kelly, um, Megan Trainor, that all about that bass, which was a ridiculous example, but she puts a vocal fry basically on every single word. You want to have that as an option because it's another color in your palette. Um, Another attack or onset is a scoop where you're sliding into a note from below. And it's from a lower pitch, but it's not necessarily a specific pitch. It's just like scooping up. Um, You could have a whine or a cry, which is really that it sounds kind of like you're crying while you're singing, Um, kind of like a puppy dog whine, that kind of thing. And you use it in pop and emo and gospel and so much more. Those are just a few other onsets. You can find more examples. And I just encourage you, listen to your favorite singers and think about, or not think, but listen for how are they starting each and every phrase of their song? And how are they starting each word? Do they just have a perfectly clean tone all the way through, or are they putting little vocal fry or glottal attacks on certain words in their phrase? It will become very revealing how much more specific you need to be when you're styling your pop rock songs. If you are the person that needs to take out the pop or the rock from your voice, then you need to record yourself singing and listen to how many of those different kinds of things you're putting on how many different little onset scoops or cries or things like that, 
and, and circle them on your lyrics and be like, oh shoot, I just need to have a coordinated onset there. I just need a nice clean attack. I don't need all of that other stuff. And that's what's going to get me sounding more golden age or contemporary musical theater. Let's talk about sustain. There's so much that happens when you're holding a note. You can be thinking about the tone color that you're singing with, but you can also be thinking about what you're doing with your words and the diction and the vowels. So let's think about when I'm holding my note, just what kind of tone am I using? I just want to insert that one of the biggest hurdles to you singing in different genres is that you have a clean, balanced, beautiful tone that you've achieved for musical theater singing. And that tone's great as like a neutral, a beginning, but you actually have to let go of some of that and you've got to let all of the natural vocal colors and speech habits come back into your voice that you, so that you can sound more casual or street or rock or whatever it is that you want. Um, so it says something really good about you if you're having trouble getting your, your rock edge in your voice, okay? I just want to put that in there. Okay, let's talk about some different ways for the sustain, different ways for your um, your vocal tone. Chest voice versus head voice. This is like super basic, but I just want to point this out. In musical theater, one of the goals is to align your voice, your registers, so that we don't hear a clear break from going low to high or high back to low. You naturally start mixing in more head voice as you go higher and then once you reach pure head voice at the top, it's like, I don't even know how we got there. It just sounded like you went up your up a scale and there was no shift in your vocal performance. That's sweet. That's awesome. You definitely want to get that technique down. But in pop singing, and when I say pop, I mean all the radio hits. So let me just say that right off the bat. In pop singing, those shifts can be much more obvious and actually desirable where you're singing chest on something and then you pop into head voice for a little bit and then you come back down. And that's part of what's fun. It's that journey and that color story that you're telling. Okay, another um, sustained tonal quality. You can have a clean, pure tone, um, which is, is great. I mean, Whitney Houston, hello, super clean, pure tone most of the time, all right? But you can also have a breathy or a whisper quality. That is, um, and again, you don't sing your whole song like this. This is one way that you could have the sustained part of your note be um, tailored, okay? So um, a breathier quality, a, a whisper quality. You could have vibrato on your note that you're holding, or you could have straight tone. This is so important. Musical theater singers naturally go right to vibrato land, right? It's like I hold my straight tone and then I release into vibrato when I'm doing a long note. When you're doing just like a regular phrase where there's not a long held note at the end, vibrato pops in quite naturally. In pop, rock, emo, all that kind of stuff, the straight tone can be very, very effective for creating style. Um, and I would suggest you listen to Spring Awakening and listen to all those guys' songs like um, The Bitch of Living and Totally Fucked and all of that stuff. Like those, that is straight tone control to a T. Another tone quality you could use is having a twang or a brightness, okay? You can have a brighter sound, a more maskier sound. 
You could have a more nasal sound, again, in Spring Awakening and in more um, very contemporary rock stuff, you're going to have that nasality. You could have a more brassy quality. And this is, I think of this like a a Broadway belter vibe, like something you would do in Everything's Coming Up Roses or Gotta Get a Gimmick. Um, Both of those are from Gypsy, but that brassier quality to your voice. Um, Another option for sustain would be having rasp in your voice. This is tricky. You have to be careful because I would say most singers that we're listening to that have raspy voices, it's just part of their natural um, way of speaking and singing. It's not always because of healthy habits either. And I don't think you want to go for it as an option. If you can, like if that's something that comes naturally to you, then I would say you're probably take trying to take it out of your golden age and, and operetta and musical theater stuff, bring it back in into your pop, um, pop music. Some singers I'm thinking of are like Demi Lovato, Tori Kelly, Brandi Carlisle, um, going back like Janis Joplin has Janis Joplin has rasp all over the place. Um, taking it back to like the eighties and nineties, Brian Adams has a naturally um, raspy voice. Gosh, he sang that song from Robin Hood. Oh gosh, I can't think of it right now, but I really want to quote it. Um, Michael Bolton, Richard Marks. Hello. Um, <laughs> totally dating myself. And then, um, Think of, uh, from musical theater, Daphne Rubin Vega from Rent as the original Mimi. She's got rasp all over her voice as well. So be careful. Don't aim to do that if it's not something that comes to you naturally. Um, and then same thing, this next one, distortion. Um, I think we can probably all pretty much achieve it, but you do have to be careful. And this happens mostly at like the highest range of your voice when you're doing rock or soul. Again, Christina um, Aguilera can do this when she's doing her rocker stuff like in Fighter. Janis Joplin has distortion all over. I was even just listening to um, Ed Sheeran. What's the heck is that song called? Oh, Thinking Out Loud. He's got some moments where he puts a little bit of distortion it's, it sounds scary, but it's actually just a common rock quality. So those are some examples of the tone color choices you can make. Again, listen to the songs that you're trying to sing. Listen to the um, original singer and go through and just mark like what are they doing as they're holding each of these words? What kind of quality are they using? And you might discover in a single phrase that they've got a chest voice, they got a head voice, they got clean tone, and then they go breathy, and then they've got a rasp or something like that that happens in the middle. That's what's so amazing about singing. There's like all these beautiful details. So now let's talk about when you're sustaining and you actually are talking about how do I shape my words? What am I doing with my vowels while I'm holding my notes? How am I approaching my consonants in the middle of these phrases? Yeah. One thing, as I mentioned earlier, people like to say that rock singing, pop, radio, whatever, is has sloppy diction and it's lazy singing. And I just want to say that is not at all true. It's like the worst advice we could be giving singers to try to get a rock sound. I will say that sometimes we don't sing certain consonants. We modify consonants like baby you rarely ever hear that. It's bebe, right? Um, you you may not sing the ending consonant on a word. It may get left off or it may just be closed. Like, um, 
oh gosh, now I can't think of something, something that ends with an N, um, you know, contemplation. That's who would ever sing contemplation as the final word in a phrase. That's ridiculous, Corey. In any case, the N, the closing consonant might be really sung quietly to the point where you don't hear it. So I think of the diction might be softer or modified. This is especially true when you're trying to get a more intimate or jazz crooner effect, but it's not lazy. Okay. Do not think lazy. Another thing you might be doing with your vowels during a sustained moment is closing on your diphthongs. Hello, not saying a bad word here. Diphthongs are when you have two vowel sounds right next to each other. Like when you say I, like I'm going to the store, I, you have an ah and an e, right? And in musical theater singing, we sing I, you sing the ah part. And when you're in a pop or rock singer, you sing I, not all the time, but that is one of the choices you can make. Um, Think of Out Tonight, also sung by Mimi. Um, What does she say? She sings, out tonight, tonight, night, okay? Um, Also, what's that song? I just died in your arms tonight. That one, he says, died in your arms tonight. Again, lots of closing into the second vowel sound of your diphthongs. Go through and listen to that pop rock song and say, how are they approaching these? Some of them will be open. Sung, sing the first of the two vowel sounds and others will be closed. If you're a pop singer and that is something that, you know, you're struggling with trying to take out some of that, record yourself and listen to what you're doing with your multi um, vowel words where you've got two sounds in a row. I bet you're closing down some of your diphthongs and that's what's making you sound more contemporary. Another thing that you might do uh, during a sustained or, you know, uh, middle of your phrase, middle of the note would be like sliding from one pitch to another, like a a portamento or a glissando. That's a choice you could make. Um, Crooners do this all the time. Even operetta does this kind of thing. Hollywood musicals from the 50s do this. Trying to think of an example. I don't want to sound ridiculous. Hang on. Okay. I'm thinking a lovely night. Um, a lovely night, little slide on love, a lovely night, a lovely night. You don't do it every time, but Julie Andrews definitely did it. Another example would be White Christmas. Um, and may all your Christmases be wise. You have that slide on Christmases. That's a portamento. I love that style. Okay, next item would be having wider vowels or more spread vowels. And this is like a very fun flavor spice to sprinkle onto your songs, especially if you're doing something that's like fun and party and like um, funk or gospel or even bluesy. When you do something like why, like why, it's like real wide and kind of fun. Um, it's going to be different than why, where it's more, ah, uh, yeah. So that why, hey, um, is it just, I don't know. It's just another cool thing you can choose to do during the sustain of your note. All right. You guys get it. Sustain lots of different, um, tools you can use. Now let's talk about the release of your note. This is one of the things I think is the most overlooked 
when we're singing. When you're doing musical theater, like the analogy I think of is the gymnast that's, you know, they're running up to the vault and then they launch over it and then they land and they have to stick the landing, right? Their feet have to hit the ground and without any wobble or misstep. They can't take another step after they've landed and then they put those arms up in the air and it's like 10 out of 10 or whatever it is. So I think of releasing our notes the same way. Usually in theater, I'm telling people, I need to hear your final consonant. Can you just be more committed to ending your word? Tonight. Like, give me that final T. Don't just say, tonight. What is that? That's not even the word. But when we get into doing crooner stuff, when we get into doing pop music, those releases can be totally different. Okay, so let's just talk about it. The first question is asking yourself, am I going to fade the final word or note out, or am am I going to sustain the word strongly right until the release? So you have to answer that. If it's fade out, what you do on the last consonant or closing vowel doesn't really matter because you're diminuendoing to the point where I can't hear you anymore. If you are sustaining all the way to the release, then it becomes a question of, are you ending with a voiced consonant? or an unvoiced consonant. A voiced consonant is like an N, or an M, where you can actually sing on it. You can close your mouth into your final M, or N, or V, or L, or R. All of those, you can sing while you're saying the consonant, and you can hold that out, which is very juicy and very fun. Or if it's an unvoiced consonant, that means you can't sing a note. It's like a P, G, D. Like you've got to say, am I going to, am I going to stick that landing and hit it hard or am I going to hit it softly? So very, very specific choices that will change what kind of release sound you have. There's a few other things you can do at the end of your pitches. I already talked about closing your diphthong off to the second of the two vowels as in, you just died in my arms tonight. Yeah. And then the question would be, do you put the T tonight? Or is it tonight? Is it like a uh, at the end that you're going to do a release? Lots of cool choices. Um, You can also do a fall at the end uh, where you don't hold your pitch. And as you release, you let the pitch fall downward. One example of that could be um, Brave by Sarah Bareilles. Let's see. uh, I want to see you be brave. It's kind of a brave. Two pitches actually there, but um, the idea is a fall. Or you could do um, Defying Gravity. Let's see. Everyone deserves a chance to fly. And she does a total like, ah, this is just so amazing and wonderful kind of a a fall at the end of that phrase. You can also do like a breath release. These are really cool and very useful and you can use them in musical theater and in pop. So if you think of at the end of Les Mis's um, Who Am I? Jean Valjean is... Two, four, six, oh, one. He does a full nuh ending. And there's actually like a cry whine. I'm not even going to try to reproduce it right now, but that sounds super cool. Um, but anytime you're ending um, uh, one last refrain, I'm thinking of one song, Glory, uh, nuh refrain, you can release air after your final consonant. And it's just, it's just another um, idiom 
that we don't emphasize in musical theater that you can use in other styles of music. Okay, I think that's it for our ways of releasing our notes. There's definitely more. And now that you know about these, you're going to start hearing them everywhere that you're listening to music. And you're going to hear more of the pop rock stuff, you know, finding its way into musical theater because these shows are now an amalgam of different styles. You want to be able to do the cleaner musical theater stuff, and then you also want to be able to add in pop within the same song. It's going to be about having a variety of colors, as always, which singing should always have a variety of colors. Otherwise, it becomes bland and there's no personal point of view that you're bringing to the song. I do just want to say, you probably have your go-to style that your voice is naturally suited to, and that you love to sing in. And that's awesome. Like you should do that, do it well, seek out those shows, have those songs in your book, Um, whether that's clean and bright, or it's, you know, raspy and riffalicious, like you've got to know what your unique thing is. That's okay. But you also want to be diverse and you also want to explore singing in other genres. And if not having like total like star quality in every genre, at least be able to have a facility in each of these genres so that you can be more employable. So that if you're hired for a summer stock um, season where there's a few different styles of shows, they know that you have a command of them and you can convincingly portray those characters and sing those scores for their whole season. What I would emphasize now is that in order to expand your your ear, you've got to be listening to a wider variety of music. So if you want to be getting um, like 80s pop rock stuff because you love Footloose and the wedding singer and nine to five and all that, um, then you need to listen to that music. If you are open to, and I keep emphasizing, there are so many cool country and bluegrass shows, especially emerging emerging now, you need to explore listening to that kind of music. Make a Pandora station um, that's, you know, could be contemporary, like Carrie Underwood, that kind of thing, but it could be older. It could be Dolly Parton. It could be Loretta Lynn and, you know, the super old folk country kind of singers as well. There's just so much music to listen to and it's all juicy and there's so much to learn from all of these singers. Okay, we're going to end there. So in summary, controlling, creating, morphing, vocal style can all be be boiled down to three basic things. The beginning, the middle, and the end of your note. The onset, the duration or sustain, and the release of your note. And then you pair those, you connect those into a longer phrase, and you think about how am I beginning this phrase? What do I do? throughout the middle of this phrase and then how do I release it at the end if you can do that if you can make specific choices about those three elements you are going to be living so much more authentically in any style of music that you want to sing all right now for the takeaways number one the three keys to singing any genre and sounding authentic are exactly the same as the keys to good storytelling you must have a beginning middle and end Number two, each genre of singing has certain ways of starting a note, sustaining a note, and releasing a note. Once you learn the different options and use them appropriately, every song you sing will sound right. 
Number three, one of the biggest hurdles to singing different genres is the clean, balanced, beautiful tone you've achieved for musical theater singing. Your work is to let a variety of vocal colors and speech habits back into your voice so that you can sound more casual, street, and most importantly, rockin'. Number four, sustaining notes and phrases deals with both the tone quality you're singing with and how you handle the diction of your words. In other words, the vowels and consonants. Number five, rock singing is not lazy singing or just sloppy diction. There are very specific choices being made to soften or modify diction, and there are still a lot of very clear consonants and open vowels like traditional theater singing. Number six, how you release your note is one of the most overlooked elements of style. Decide whether you'll fade your note or stick the landing, whether you'll sing your voice consonant or release it with a breathy exhale. Once you make these decisions, you'll be living more authentically in the vocal style of your choosing. Number seven, the more you listen to a variety of genres, the more vocal style colors you'll be able to emulate. Number eight, Every singer has a go-to style that their voice is naturally suited to and that they love to sing in. That's great. But if you want to work consistently, you should also develop a facility in a variety of genres. Thank you for listening. I know there's a million other ways you could be spending your time, and it means so much to me that you spent some of it here. Make sure you hit subscribe so that new episodes come to you automatically every week. Also, if something in this episode really resonated with you or you can think of somebody that would benefit from hearing it, take a screenshot, send it to them in a message or post it on Instagram and tag me and I would love to tag you back and feature you on my page. Um, What else? You can always find the podcast notes at coryyamaoka.com forward slash podcast and I will have all of the songs that I referenced and everything in the notes. Alrighty, I will see you next time. Thank you.